Let's all pray. Father, we thank you again tonight for the privilege you've given to us that we can call you our Father. Lord, in reality, we do not deserve to be called your children. We have failed thee, we are weak, we are shapen in iniquity and in sin. Our parents conceived us. But Lord, your grace and your goodness has reached down to us that we could be called your children. Your word tells us when we were ungodly, your son died for us. And we so appreciative in our hearts, O oh Father, tonight for such a wonderful salvation. Please, O oh God, we ask that you'd help us to be sanctified from this world and let these messages that we hear, Lord, change our lives, not just be a form of entertainment, Lord, but touch our minds and our spirits. Tonight, in a special way, I remember Sister Chandri and her family, a Lord, who have buried their sister today. I pray that you'll console their hearts, strengthen their faith, Help them to understand that one day, each one of us, if the Lord does not return, we'll slowly die one after the other. And death is a reality we must face and encounter. But we thank you tonight, Father, for the hope that you've given to us. That in spite of the frailties of this human body and the weaknesses and the easy possibility of death, and corruption, that we can have hope in the return of the Lord Jesus and the resurrection of the righteous dead. Help us, we pray. Bless this service tonight. Touch every aspect of it, we pray, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his glory. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Tonight I had mentioned to Brother John that I want him to say a few words to you. And so I'll be doing this more often. Um, and so while I'm, while I'm talking to you for a few seconds here, I'll ask Brother John to come up and uh, say some things to you. Um, while he's doing that, you know, it is so good to sing these wonderful songs that we sing. And um, tonight while we were singing, I'm thinking how... Wonderful God is. Um, in the last book of the Old Testament, he said, I am a great king. Beautiful area. He said, I'm a great king. And um, he says, I'm a great king, saith the Lord of hosts. And my name is dreadful among the heathens. And so when we're singing songs like we were singing tonight, the, 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 the rhythm... The words, the solemnness of the songs, the majestic atmosphere created. I'm so glad that we can come to the place that we can sing praises that represent our God. And not just rhythm to drive us into an emotional frenzy. But we are here to give God praise and honor and glory. Today was a, a sad day in my family in that seven 
siblings had to bury the eldest in the family. And when people are bonded together, it is a heart-wrenching situation. And it might take some people overnight, depends on how bonded you are. But some people, the, uh, the sadness never goes away. Uh, when Jesus approached his friend's house, Lazarus, Lazarus was dead a few days. And Jesus stood there and he knew he was the resurrection and the life. But he stood there and he wept. And it is okay to cry. It is okay to let that emotion come up. And um, it is better to mourn than to laugh, Scripture tells us. And so when we think about the days we're living in here in Ontario, uh, there's a, a not a lockdown, not, not extreme lockdown, but there's another lockdown, and so churches are restricted. And that's all right. Uh, we, have had, we have heard messages for years. And uh, for my assembly here in Mississauga, I've been here over 40 years. And over 40 years, if individuals have sat in this church for 40 years, uh, two years locked up in the wilderness would not, should not rob you unless you were just being entertained for 40 years. But in 40 years, uh, saints should have had a stability built in their lives. Amen. That uh, if there comes a time in life that for some reason, if I die today, which is possible, uh, because we're living in a frail human body, and no matter how strong you are, one day you'll die. Uh, rich men die, poor men die. Uh, there's a scripture in uh, Psalms, I think it is 49, uh, where it talks about a variety of individuals who will die. And uh, let me find that here in uh, Psalms 49. It says, hear this, uh, verse 1, hear this, all you people, give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, all the inhabitants of the world, both low and high, the humble ones, the poor ones, the ones that are not so uppity uppity in society, the low and the high, the rich and the poor together. Uh, the psalmist is saying, I want everyone to listen to this psalm. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Then he went on to say, I will incline mine ear to a, par to a, a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. And so I believe this was David that wrote this psalm because David, I'm speculating here, he didn't say who wrote it, he just says psalm for the sons of Korah. But I'm speculating that David wrote this psalm because it talks about a man uh, expressing his feelings in song. And it is so good when someone can be inspired of God to write a song. And it says, wherefore, uh, wherefore should I fear the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? Uh, the margin says, when the iniquity of my supplanters compasseth me about, even of them that trust 
uh, that uh, you know there are individuals around him that were uh, th- that were compassing about. He says, "They that trust in wealth." Uh, we live in a world where someone might say, "Well, I have a good retirement plan, and that's okay." A prudent man foreseeth the evil hide it himself. We need to plan for the future. In these days, with the lockdown, uh, there are things that we need to consider. Do not, do not spend on anything that you do not need. In other words, what I'm saying, and I'm saying this to this assembly and anyone who is hearing this pandemic, uh, well, you know, they got a vaccine. No, hold, don't trust in the vaccine. Uh, just trust in God. Uh, I mean, the vaccine might come and it might work and it might come and not work. But this pandemic, this pestilence that God has sent, is not going to go away rapidly. And um, we must consider that. And uh, it will probably stay for a while. And so it's absolutely necessary that we become frugal. Uh, we become, we are able to put aside some money. If you have a house that you're living in and you have to pay a mortgage, put away some money that you will have at least three months, three months, at least three months of mortgage put aside or three months of rent put aside. It is important that we are able to put aside some money for food, uh, non-perishable, non-perishable goods. Uh, we, are, we are thinking that you know that it is good to take care of certain aspects. Uh, we preach a judgment. We preach that God will judge this world. And it is amazing that as a preacher, uh, today I thought about this, as a preacher, I'm preaching that God will judge this world. But yet I don't have a backup generator. Uh, I have a gas lamp. I've got some kerosene lamps. I've got a kerosene stove. I've got uh, barbecue grills with a little uh, uh, burner at the side. But then you consider on the other hand, shouldn't I be more prepared that when God judges this world, if I'm still around, I must not only be able to economically take care of myself, but I must be able to protect my family and protect the house. And so that is why it is important to understand these things. We have an insurance company that covers this building here uh, with insurance annually. And uh, I have the same insurance company and uh, covers my house where we live in. And just a few years ago when there was a flood and it destroyed my basement, the insurance company came on in. They told me not to touch anything, uh, but uh, let it be taken out and uh, take pictures of everything that was gone. Bottom line was they spent over $104,000 to replace and repair and renovate and uh, for my, um, everything that was in my house without a deductible. Now, I think that's a good insurance company. Well, we have the same insurance company covering this church. And the other day, last week, I got a check in the mail uh, that said, and, and a letter from the insurance company says, because of the COVID uh, disaster and pandemic, uh, we know the income is cut back on the church. And so we'd like to refund you 20% of your annual uh, in insurance charges. Isn't that wonderful? 
the company is called Intact Insurance. Isn't that a wonderful thing for an insurance company without us asking anything? They take that responsibility. Well, it's good to have insurance, not only for your house or your car, but insurance on your life. I'm not an insurance salesman. I don't get commission for what I'm telling you here today. But it is good to foresee the evil and hide yourself. Uh, the simple pass on and are punished. And so when you think about what is happening here, it says, they had a trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. And that might be someone that lived right down to the end of their life, enjoying the pleasures of what they, have, they possess. But it says none of them, none of these money, wealth, uh, popularity, fame, nothing can by any means redeem your brother, nor give God a ransom for, for him. Uh, you cannot buy the, prepare and, and be able to purchase the salvation of your own brother. Uh, the ransom was paid by Jesus. And you cannot redeem your own flesh and blood. Uh, there comes a time when death knocks on everyone's door. And death knocks on the door. And when death knocks on the door, I don't care who you are. You might be a prince. Uh, you'll die. Uh, you can be a rich man. You'll die. You'll be a beggar. And you can die. Uh, you can be educated and you will die. You can be an uneducated and you can die. It is important that we understand these things. We understand there's no distinction between the rich and the poor when it comes to a life we live and how we die. Uh, got your finger in Psalms uh, 49? I'm thinking. Uh, there's another scripture that's popping in my head here right now, and it's in Job. Uh, in Job, in Job, the book of Job, the very first part of the book of Job, uh, Job was a man that he complained. Uh, remember the other day we were looking at this scripture, never got to the whole thing. He says here in chapter 3 of Job, he says, Why died I not from the womb? Because he was suffering, he wished he would die. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, they wish they would die. And some people wish they would live. I look at individuals that are on wheelchairs and they wish they would live. I look at people that don't have limbs and they wish that they could live. I look at people that have everything and they wish that they could die. Uh, it's amazing how this world is strange. And we've got an enemy. Uh, he's called the devil. He's not like an enemy with a, with a machine gun waiting to shoot you down. But he's waiting like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so it says here, Job says, uh, he says, uh, now, uh, verse 13, now, if I, had, I was dead, now should I have lain still and been quiet? He would be resting in peace. Isn't that right? I should have slept. Then had I been at rest, no bill collectors, uh, no, no enemy knocking on your door, no gossiper gossiping about you and it's hurting you. No, he's, he'll be at rest. Uh, with who? With kings uh, and counselors of the earth. Uh, who is resting? Kings and counselors. You see, it's good to sit here tonight and talk to you. But I can go back in the past and think about great men. Great men, world conquerors, uh, you, world conquerors, today they are dead, they are gone, they are asleep, uh, they are waiting for a resurrection to come. 
And uh, this is important that we understand that. And so how we live today is very important. How we live today is important. And he goes on to say, he says, or with princes, verse 15, uh, princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver. Or on the other side, a hidden untimely birth, a baby that died stillbirth. I had not been as infants which never saw the light. He says, when you're dead, the wicked cease from troubling. Uh, the wicked cease from raging. They, they can't do anything because in the grave, there's no knowledge, nor wisdom, nor strength, nor power. The grave takes you. Uh, we have a lot of mythology, a lot of individuals in this world that will create a beautiful picture about dead, uh, the death. Uh, the, the death make death look like it's a wonderful thing. Well, it's wonderful to the person that is really suffering. But death brings an end. It's a cessation of life. It brings our life to an end. And that is why when Jesus died, he poured his soul out unto death. His soul was made an offering for sin. Individuals are saying that... Um, uh, the soul is immortal. Don't get carried away with, with pagan philosophies and pagan ideologies. Uh, the soul, your body, soul, and spirit, when you die, it ceases to exist. Who knoweth that the spirit of man goes up and the spirit of a beast goes down? Who knoweth? Nobody knows. Uh, but we have a life, a breath in us that keeps us alive. And one day we'll die and await the resurrection. That is what happened to Jesus. Uh, when he died, he was dead until his resurrection. Uh, just one minute here. It says, there the wicked see some troubling, and there the weary be at rest. There the prisoner rests together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. A man that he goes to work and he has a bad boss. When he is dead, I mean the prisoner, uh, the person is dead, he wouldn't hear the voice of the boss anymore. Who are in the grave? The small and great are there. The servant is free from his master. So Job said, Wherefore is light or life given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul which long for death, but it cometh not, and dig for it more than for hid treasures? I wish I could die. I've heard that so many times. Oh God, I wish I was dead. Oh God, I wish I was dead. And I'm not saying about my family there. I'm just saying because a pastor, you go all over. You see, as soon as I say something like that, people will think it's in my house. No, sometimes, but not all the time. But you know, we have this. Uh, pains come and strike you and you wish you were dead. But when death really comes and knocks on your door, you really wish you're alive. And he goes on here, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad. When they can find the grave. Uh, the grave is an important thing to find sometimes. Why is light or life given to a man uh, whose ways is hid and whom God has hedged in? It means God has locked him in. Why is life given to him? And Job said, for my sighing, sighing cometh before I eat. And my roaring are poured out like the waters. For the thing which I feared, feared, greatly feared is come upon me. Sometimes you, uh, you know, you turn around. Life has a way. They say what goes around comes around. Don't wish for individuals evil. 
Uh, one time I went into a, I can't remember where I went, but I found a little, a little, a little wooden plaque, a little wooden plaque. It was about three inch uh, tall, and it had a good code. It had a good um, inscription on it. I got it down in the basement here at the church, and I put that on my pastor's door. Over here was the pastor's door. I put it on my pastor's door, and guess what it says? It said, "May God grant you double." Of what you wish for me. And I thought about it. I said most people wish I was not around. Uh, I don't think that's a nice plaque. Brother John to put on a pastor's door. So I took it down. I don't want to. You know. You know how many people. One, actually one man even prayed. That God would kill me. I had a man in Guyana years ago. I was sitting in a restaurant. And he prophesied that I will die. In that country before I leave it. Still alive. Of course, I told him, you know, I grabbed a garbage bucket and I tell him to prophesy in that. In a restaurant while I'm sitting there. Uh, people want me dead a lot of times. So I don't wish. I wish God would forgive you when you wish evil for me. And Job made, a, Job made this statement here. He says, uh, the same thing which I feared greatly is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet it, troubled, yet it troubled me. And so here, back in Psalms, the 49th chapter, it tells us here, it says in verse 7, None of them, and none of these wealthy individuals, money can buy your soul, money can redeem your soul. Uh, I, it's good to have money. Money is power. Money is authority. Without money, uh, it's hard to survive. Well, we have survived without a lot of money for years. We learned to trust God when we were just married. We trusted God for every single meal that we had. We never believe in begging. And that brings me to a very important question because in these days when there's a pandemic and there's a lockdown in society, you're a part of this church. That is not the time to sit down home and whine and groan and moan. Now is the time to sit down and if you got some extra money, put it aside and see how you can help somebody that has lost their job, that belongs to the church and has lost their job. We've got saints that are not rich in this church. And it is time that you be able to let some charity come in your heart and for less than $10, you can buy some eggs, you can buy bread, and you can buy a little bit of vegetables and give someone. For $10, you can do a lot with it. Rather than waste your money on fast food junk, you can give to charity and help some soul. And I think that would be, this is a good opportunity. COVID-19 is a good opportunity, now that you're locked in your house, to learn to make your house into a sanctuary. Now that you're home, good time to pray some more. Good time to make a chart and organize your life in such a way that you will draw closer to God. Of course, I'm speaking to the elect. The non-elect would think I'm ignorant. But I'm, I'm speaking to God's children and say, you find the reason to do, not an excuse not to do. It's a good time. 
<clears throat> to go down to one of these cheaper stores and get some food stuff and put it together in a, in a nice little bag and drop it at somebody that might need it. A lot of people need things. And sometimes at $20 in an envelope, someone would appreciate that. So when we're talking about charity, now is a good time. When there's evil all around, someone can be hungry. And you might be able to help that individual. But you cannot allow money to redeem a soul, but you can feed the hungry. All right? For the redemption of the soul, verse 8, is precious. It ceaseth, uh, and it ceaseth forever. There, there he shall still live forever, not see corruption. For we see it, verse 10, for we see it that wise men die. Likewise the fool and the brutish person, they perish and leave their wealth to waters. Their inward thought was that their houses will continue forever. It's not going to continue forever. My house is about 25 years old. It needs fixing. After it goes 25 years old, warranty runs out. You got to fix it. Well, worse than the house is my body. This house is 71 years old. It needs ever so often, it needs maintenance. I don't need to look at the weather station to know that rain is going to fall. My bones are like barometric meters that reads what's going to happen, the pressure in the atmosphere, the bones tell you. At a certain age, your bones talk. They talk because age comes in. Well, before we die, can we do some good to mankind and humanity? Can you use this reason, uh, this season, now that there's a lockdown, sit down and pull some money out of your bank and give somebody some cash? Not every person would appreciate everything because we're different. We're variety. Brother John is from Jamaica. I'm from Guyana. Brother Joe is from, is from Canada. And some of the same from Africa. You tell us to cook rice and we cook different kinds of rice. So money might be a good gift to give someone or something that everybody uses. Everyone uses eggs, I think, and bread. Now is the time to be charitable, all right? But individuals, they think that they will not die. It says, nevertheless, man, verse 12, being in honor, abideth not. Whether your honor are honorable or not. And you see, that is why me as a preacher, I'm sitting here as a preacher, I think I know my Bible pretty good. I think I understand the word of God pretty good. Of course, there are things here that are mysterious to me. I think that I've never, in 50-something years, I've never gone back and apologized to anybody, especially these last 40 years, for anything I said that, oh, that was wrong. And I sit here tonight... Be, de, de, be, depending on the Lord for inspiration to talk to you. You think I had any of these scriptures written down? No. I'm talking to you from plain inspiration. And son, David went on here. He says, Their way is their folly, yet their posterity approved their saying. Think about it. Selah means think about it. Like sheep, they are laying in the grave. And death shall feed on them. Not them. 
like sheep, we can be laid in the grave. The rich man, the poor man, everybody's laid in the grave after a while. And death feeds on them. But they, and the upright, the only difference with the ungodly and the godly is that the upright, the godly, will have dominion over them in the morning of the Lord's day when Jesus will return and resurrect the righteous dead and give rewards to them that, uh, that obeyed him and serve him. There's coming a time, that's my hope. My hope is not depending that one day I'm going to just find some miracle cure for arthritis. See, the strength and the effort we spend in trying to see how best we can treat our face and treat our health and treat our diabetes and treat all these things, if we pursue everlasting life that way, it will be more beneficial because what we are treating is that which will decay and, de and decompose after a while, that which will die after a while. Uh, why, why worry about who will destroy this body, Jesus said, and cannot destroy the soul because of the resurrection of the dead? Lay not for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust. Don't put your trust in temporary things. Put your trust and start building for eternity. Amen. The effort we put in non-essentials should be put in essentials. But your non-essentials might not be my might, might be my essentials, and my non-essentials might be your essentials. If we sow after the flesh, we shall reap corruption. And if we sow after the Spirit, we'll reap life everlasting. Anyhow, finish up the scripture. He says, like sheep, they're laid in the grave, and, and um, death shall feed on them. And the upright, the godly, shall have dominion over them in the morning. That is the morning of the Lord day, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. <clears throat> but God will redeem my soul. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he, for he shall receive me. Be not, be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he died, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. And while, though while he lived, he blessed his soul, the men shall praise him, a man shall, uh, man shall praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. Uh, this is what it is. It says in verse 20. Uh, everybody read this with me. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beast that perisheth. See, we all must die. The word perish does not mean you're punishing. It means that you're short-lived. Uh, perishable goods, you perish. Uh, the soul that sinneth, it will die. And so we must understand these things. Now I've got ten, less than 10 minutes to go. You know, when, uh, when this pandemic is over, there'll be certain services will still stream and we will increase the length. When I have back the full congregation here, we'll increase the length of our service, our services uh, to not one hour, to a little more than an hour. Uh, it might be an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half maximum time. Uh, the preaching will still maintain its shortness. 
Uh, but we'll push for testimonies. We might push for worship. Uh, we might push for other things. And I'm changing my whole perspective to how to run a church. And I'm asking God that he might direct me. Because I think somewhere down the line, we have not done it right. Somewhere down the line, uh, this manufacturing uh, organization, this church, this, this one that is to produce overcomers, seem to be producing elite hypocrites. I don't find overcomers. I find people are fickle. Any little thing bother them. Today they're up. Mankind is like the traffic lights. Church members are like traffic lights. One day, they're green. You think, oh, why? They're, they're moving. Next thing you know, an amber light comes on. And the next thing you know, there's a red light. They stopped. Some people are like wheelbarrows. You got to push them. Some people are like kites. Unless you keep a string attached, they're gone. But we as children of God should not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I've got a few minutes left here. And this is one of the scriptures that was on my mind in Acts of the Apostles. Now I'm going to just listen to me here. Jesus was ready to go. He called his disciples. He sent them up to the upper room. And he tell them that they shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them. Right here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, they disciples were asking him a question that made them look like they did not even know when the kingdom of God would be established. They said, Will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? But the thief on the cross, when he looked at Jesus, he knew he was going to die, and he knew Jesus was going to die, but he had a belief in the resurrection. That thief on the cross had an understanding that Jesus was not going to die and remain in the grave. He knew Jesus was going to be resurrected, return to his father, and come again and establish the throne of David on this earth. And so he asked Jesus this question. He says, a request. He says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. That thief on the cross knew more about God than a lot of preachers today know. That thief on the cross had an understanding concerning the return of Christ that the early church apostles did not have at this point in time. Later on, as you go in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and 4 and 5, you'll find that Peter, after the Holy Ghost got on them. So in Acts chapter 1, the Lord sent them back into, to wait and tarry in the upper room. Make a long story short, they spent 10 days from the time Jesus ascended up into heaven, they spent 10 days in the upper room. And I would not want to tell you what they did in that upper room, but most of it, I guess they prayed. God was not going to give them the Holy Ghost one day earlier than the day of Pentecost. God is precise on his timing. And so the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, and they were all together, chapter 2, verse 1. They were all together in one accord. And I asked Jeremiah tonight, 
I said, you think, what, a, what vehicle did the early church apostles rode in? A little boy asked me that years ago, funny story. And I said, what? He says, Honda Accord. Because the scripture says they were all in one accord. And that sounds funny. But guess what? They were united. After 10 days, <clears throat> they were not fighting who was going to be the greatest. After 10 days, they were all praying for the same thing. God, give us your spirit. They had a few experiments they did in before that time, but now they're praying for the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, and Peter, Peter preached a powerful message on that day. He stood up, and this once timid disciple got up, and with boldness, he was not yelling and screaming and doing a monkey dance in front of the audience. No, he had the word of God on his lips. He says, this is, these men are not drunken as you suppose. Uh, but seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that <clears throat> which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he goes on to quote that whole scripture. And then he went on further on. And he talked about David. Here in chapter uh, 2 and verse 25. He says, David... Speak concerning this a resurrection of Christ. He spoke concerning this resurrection of Christ. He says, I foresaw the, foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad, and moreover my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in the grave. The word hell there is rightly translated grave. And this is where I have a problem with the translators because they use words that they thought should be used rather than what uh, the law really meant. But to correspond this with the rest, neither should thou suffer the Holy One to see corruption. Now what Peter went on to show these men, he says, men and brethren, let me freely speak of, of you about the patriarch David, that he is both dead he is dead. What happened to David? David is dead. If you think David is up in heaven shining stars and playing harps, you got it all wrong. David is dead and he's buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Somebody said his soul went up. Well, knock yourself out and enjoy that little fantasy. He died. When Jesus died, he poured his soul out unto death. The soul that sinned, it shall die. And David, his soul died. And when the Lord comes back to resurrect David, he'll give it that David sowed a new body. And he will not bring down David and put him in the grave. No, David is dead. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Uh, awake and sing you to dwell in the dust of the earth. That Isaiah says. And he goes on here. He says. Therefore being a prophet. Verse 30. And knowing that God had sworn with an oath. That, he, that of the fruit of his loins. According to the flesh. He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Uh, he foreseeing this speak. Of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul. Was not left in hell. The grave. Sheol. He was not left in the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption. That is why Jesus had to be resurrected the third day. 
because longer than that, his body would start to de decompose and start to rot. He did not see corruption, but David saw corruption. And David is still in the grave. Verse 34, for David is not ascended up into heaven, but he said concerning Jesus, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand, a hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And so when Peter saw this, Peter had a commission to give to the people. His favorite word was, verse 38, he says, repent. Be sorry for your sins. We need to have that kind of service when we have in church. Says, if you've sinned today, repent. Come to the altar and repent and turn to God. And here is what happened when the Holy Ghost uh, blessed them on the day of Pentecost. It says in verse, verse um, 41, And they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about, about. About, not 3,000, about. I like that because it was about 3,000 individuals. Now, some other day I'll show you that these individuals that were added, not all were dedicated. Uh, some the devil added and some added were added because they were being converted. It says, and they continued, the early church continued steadfastly in the teachings of the apostles the apostles' doctrine, that's not the Godhead and the first resurrection. No, no, no. That is lifestyle, how to live, how to be charitable, how to give to the poor, how to be charitable. Above all things, have fervent charity. See, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. And here is where we are allowed, we are asked to do this. And it says in breaking of bread and prayers, and fear came upon every soul and wonders, many wonders and signs were done by the apostle. And all that believed had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods. People sold what they did not need and their goods that they did not need and share it out to the needy. That's what, they, that's what I call church. This grabbing, selfish, perverted society we are living in that don't care to give anybody anything. <clears throat> it's not a good society to live in. You know, I went out to Metro today, and when I'm leaving, it's the second day in a row. Lady says, are you going to give to the food bank $2? I said, I gave yesterday. She said, do you know every $2 you give, we match it from the Metro? I said, well, give another two. Because if they match it, Good. Let's all give and help some poor person get some food to eat. Come on, children of God. You see, in Isaiah, when God rebuked the people in Isaiah, and they had all this religious mechanics in Isaiah. Can I give one more scripture to you? Well, they had all things in one accord. From house to house, they'd eat their meat with singleness of heart. They wanted just to serve God. That's the early church. And you know when God rebuked uh, the children of Israel in the book of Isaiah? One last verse more. I wouldn't charge you for the extra time I'm spending here tonight. When God rebuked Israel, and he called them Sodom, rulers of Sodom and people of Gomorrah. They had all the mechanics of religion. They were attending church. They were burning offerings. They were giving of the fat beasts. 
they had all the mechanics of religion. If you walk into their temple in those days, you will think you're in the church of Sardis. Had a good repetition. The band was excellent. The people danced until they got strained, they strained their backs. You know, crazy world, let me not extend this. But you know when God asked these people to repent, he says, wash you, verse 16. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. <clears throat> and then learn to do well, come to church and scream, come to church and dance, come to church and preach, come to church and testify. Uh-uh. He says, learn to do well. What is do well? Seek judgment. Relieve the people that are suffering. Judge the fatherless. Be someone there that will be like a judge that will bring blessing to the children that don't have fathers around. Plead for the widow. Be there to help individuals. And the Lord says, when you start to do that, come, my people, be reasonable. Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as, will, as, as wool. Uh, he says, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. In other words, what God is telling Israel was what he told Nebuchadnezzar. Break off thy sin by righteousness. And thine iniquity by showing mercy to the poor. Today is our opportunity to help somebody that's in need. Reach on into your stingy wallet and pull a $20 out. And put it in an envelope and give somebody and it'll change your wallet. Instead of a stingy wallet, it'll be a charitable uh, wallet that will be a blessing to individuals. Be a blessing to individuals. Be like Job was. Made the widow's heart sing and the fatherless rejoice in the Lord. Today is a day that we can incorporate the apostles' doctrines in our midst by learning to live and be profitable to the people around us. Learn to give to those that don't have. Learn to help the widow across the street. The poor man that looks like he's got nothing to eat. Stop and buy him lunch. That's the kind of Christianity we need today in our society. Don't use COVID-19 as an excuse. Don't see a reason not to. See a reason to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for another night in your house. We ask your blessing, O oh Lord, on this word that I preach tonight. And we pray that, O oh God, it will minister and give direction to the souls, everyone that has followed me tonight on this live streaming. Touch our hearts, O oh God. Help us not to only want to do good, but to seek out opportunity to do good. Not to sit passive, but to reach out and find out how we can be helpful to an organization out there or to an individual right in our assembly. To someone who is in need, Father, help us, O oh God, to learn to be charitable. Above all things, to have charity. Father, we pray in Jesus' name 
that you'll bless this message to our hearts. Amen and amen.